Thank you for tuning in to this panel discussion, Life Comes From It, with Sujata Baliga, Troy Williams, and Sonia Shah of the Life Comes From It Project and Funding Circle. I'm your host, Molly Rowan Leach, from Restorative Justice on the Rise. Thank you for passing along this podcast to those you think might be interested in either applying or in donating to this important fund. For more information about Life Comes From It, please visit their website at lifecomesfromit.org. And for more information about restorative justice on the rise, please visit our website at www.restorativejusticeontherise.org. You'll find over 125 dialogues, educational offerings, and resources at each of those sites. Thank you and enjoy this panel discussion. Hello and welcome everyone. This is Molly Rowan Leach, your host for today's panel, Life Comes From It. And we're really uh, pleased and honored and excited to talk with um, panelists uh, from the advisory circle of Life Comes From It, which is an extraordinary new um, circle and project that we're going to hear about today. And um, again, my name is Molly Rowan Leach. I am the executive producer and host of Restorative Justice on the Rise. We are here kicking off our fall 2018 dialogue series. And just right up at the top here, I want to let you know that we'll be in a panel discussion for a bit, and then we'll also be um, going into some discussion from web questions that you can submit online if you're on joining us from the webcast or as well um, live by phone. So just keep that in mind that we're going to go into some periods of uh, responding to questions and conversation with you. So again, thank you for being here. Um, you can also check out the Restorative Justice on the Rise website, which is restorativejusticeontherise.org. Um, that houses over 125 dialogues, and it is available on iTunes as a podcast. It's open source, free to the public, and is meant to be a platform for important connections, inspiring actions, education, and beyond. So please visit that website at your leisure if you have not already. And I also would like to just point your attention to our guests tonight. Um, the website to go to for Life Comes From It, which you received in your registration um, email, is lifecomesfromit.org. So it's simply the organization's name, .org. So without further ado, today's panel is going to go into some uh, questions about the birth of this project and talk about some of the underlying values and some of the identified needs from the advisory circle and how their process came to land this incredible organization. And um, also just to note that they are currently receiving applications and accepting them, that is, 
until October 15th for the 2019 funding cycle. And of course, we'll go into what that is all about in our sharing today. As I mentioned earlier, our panelists today come from such extraordinary backgrounds. And um, I mentioned that we have Sonia Shah with us, as well as Troy Williams and Sujata Baliga. Um, Troy and Sujata both have been guests previously on Restorative Justice on the Rise, and I'm just delighted to have Sonia with us as well. And I'd, I'd like to share a bit, um, it's hard to capsule the depth of each of their experience in a short bio, but um, just a little bit about Sonia. She initiated the AHIMSA Collective in January 2016 and has 20 years experience in social justice education and 10 in restorative justice. She's an associate professor at the California Institute of Integral Studies and has trained hundreds of facilitators in trauma healing and restorative justice practices across the United States. She's also worked closely with survivors of violent crimes, people who have committed violence, and families impacted by violence. Central to her core values are creating belonging and beloved community in every aspect of her work and life, and balancing her relationship to self, others, community, and nature. She's a first-generation immigrant from the northwestern part of India, and of course she widely shares her wisdom and experiences and practical trainings with a national audience, um, conferences, colleges on the radio, and a, a couple articles here and there for Huffington Post. Um, of course, Troy Williams, um, this year uh, he was awarded as a Soros Justice Fellow from the Open Society Foundation, which is a wonderful honor and so well-deserved. He's creating a national multi multimedia platform and community engagement program that helps formerly incarcerated people document their experiences and engage the public. Troy is the founder of the San Quentin Prison Report, which is the first prison-based audio storytelling program in the United States. He spent the last seven years of his incarceration teaching his peers to produce audio works behind prison walls. Upon his release from prison, he established Fort North 22, a media production and consulting company dedicated to giving a voice to systems-impacted people. Sujata Baliga is an incredible being and a very courageous one, in my opinion, and I'm so grateful that she's on with us today as well. And her work is characterized by an equal dedication to victims and persons accused of crimes. She speaks publicly and inside prisons about her own experiences as a survivor of child sexual abuse and her path to forgiveness. She's a former victim advocate and public defender in both New York and in New Mexico, and she was awarded a Soros Justice Fellowship in 2008, which she used to launch a pre-charge restorative juvenile diversion program in Alameda County, California. Through the Restorative Justice Project, Baliga helps communities implement restorative justice alternatives to juvenile detention and zero tolerant school discipline policies. 
She's also dedicated to using this approach to end child sexual abuse and intimate partner violence. Sujata is a frequent guest lecturer at universities and conferences. She's been a guest on NPR and the Today Show and the New York Times Magazine and The Atlantic have profiled her work. So without further ado, thank you for listening to the depth of um, the journeys that the three panelists have had today, um, such acumen and experience and depth that they can share with us. And just to name the other members that aren't present with us today, if I may, um, those would be Cheryl Wilson, Johanna Turner, the Honorable Robert Yazi, Seth Lennon Nguyen Weiner, Weiner, excuse me, and Carl, Dr. Carl Stoffer. So um, I'd just like to open up the panel by a question that I think will help us frame uh, the origin, um, and may, maybe we could call it the birth of life comes from it. And so this, this question, um, I'll direct to you, Sonia, if, if you would help us uh, get that framework. Welcome. Up, yeah, thanks, Molly. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so, yeah, so life comes from it, you know, came from, this is what I wanted to say. I was thinking about it as you, was doing, as you were doing the introduction that, as people who are doing this work every day as practitioners or just folks on the ground, pounding the pavement, doing what we do, it's impossible in some ways not to just, um, in my own world, uh, be doing this work and looking around and also thinking about all the amazing work that everyone else is doing at the same time. So as much as, you know, I want to keep doing restorative justice work, I've always thought, oh, God, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to just support others in doing their work as well. And about a year and a half ago, um, I ended up with a project with the Zare Institute for Restorative Justice um, that Seth was involved in and uh, Carl was involved in and another woman, Sarah King, around. It was a restorative justice listening session uh, project. And basically, we spent six months um, basically going around to six different areas, really more of a cross-section of RJ communities across the country and then one uh, area in Canada, just listening to, like, what is the state of the state of restorative justice? Where are we? What are our challenges? What do we need to grow? Um, and we went to Baltimore, New Mexico, to the Navajo Nation, came here to the Bay Area. Uh, we were in Minnesota. Um, and uh, Virginia, and then in British Columbia. And 130-ish people came to those listening sessions, all RJ practitioners. And from that was this feeling of um, what, what, what happened for me. There were so many things that came out in the report, but what happened for me was a sense of a real sweet sense of, um, again, look at these amazing people doing uh, incredible restorative justice work across the country, wouldn't it be great if we can do more to support it? Um, from from that kind of impulse thought um, was a conversation that I had randomly at a conference uh, in Sacramento with a funder, Chloe Coburn of Open Philanthropy, who actually made the suggestion, hey, have you, have you ever thought about maybe starting a fund? And that's really kind of how the actual life comes from it started and was then beautifully birthed by this incredible, beautiful group of seven advisory circle members, Jasa Troy, Seth, Johanna, 
Cheryl, uh, Justice Yazi. Um, and our first meeting was in June. And really, that was where the whole idea of it got conceptualized, way beyond wouldn't it be nice to just support a bunch of people doing work. But what is this? Why are we doing it? Why do we care about this movement? Um, and how do we think about it beyond just restorative justice? Um, what, what is transformative justice doing? What, are, what is indigenous peacemaking doing? And aren't we all with our different lineages, you know, varying lineages of all of the three different kind of fields or movements working towards a bit of a common goal, which is to have uh, community-based solutions to dealing with harm. Um, and, uh, and that's really where it came from. And I think I, I, and, and really that advisory circle meeting, I think, is very much the birth of, of what is the iteration of life comes from it, because I don't think it would have formed without, um, this constellation of people meeting together who are doing so deeply this work mm -hmm. in the field and so deeply caring about this movement and probably have the same thoughts walking around as they were pounding the pavement saying, hmm, wouldn't it be nice to resource everyone? Um, and then to be able to come together and really think through how do you do that? What are the values of doing, you know, of kind of doing, trying to have a grant making circle when we're all practitioners? Um, and why do we even care to begin with? So, um, I, I would add wow. one last piece to that, which was a beautiful part of just the name. Uh, the name of Life Comes From It is, uh, from an article written by Chief Justice Yazi, um, the Navajo Nation, and it was written in 1994, um, and it laid out the major differences between the traditional Navajo system of law and the Anglo-American system. So that is where the actual name comes from. Yeah, life comes from it comes from. So yeah, that would that's mm. kind of how I would start and see if yeah. I was so glad that you addressed that uh, around the name, because I, I I could guess that there was probably a story behind it. So thank you. And I'll tell you, in listening to what you just shared about the process, the listening processes that that you all um, went into and engaged with people all over the place with, um, that that's just extraordinary. And I'm wondering if um, I, th I think I heard you mention a report. Was there was there a written kind of um, uh, collection of what was most rich for people there in, in each location, or is that something that, that, you, yeah. that you have? Yeah, it's okay. on the website. Would you mind sharing? Page. Oh, absolutely. The report oh, is, oh. you mean, what was, what was the richest, what yeah. were the richest parts of the report? Oh, um, so I think some of the big uh, takeaways from that report were about, um, you know, th there were so many different areas, um, but I will say some of the bigger ones were, one, that as a restorative justice movement, we really need to be deeply integrating um, social justice and racial justice as a framework for thinking about um, restorative justice in general, right? And that people were really in different places with how much racial justice in particular was integrated into the very fabric of restorative practices. Uh, so that was one thing. The other thing was just this real feeling that there was growth and excitement, um, so much buzz around restorative justice, but are we, do we, are we really training people well? How, how do we balance sort of, um, the quality of, um, being good practitioners with sort of the fluidity of, of being from community, right? And how do we make sure that we're really, 
um, doing a good job when what we're actually trying to do is a paradigm shift and questioning even what is a good job, right? So to say that um, it's not just skill and technique that mm-hmm. creates a good practitioner, it's being mm-hmm. um, from community wisdom, it's having lived experience, and so understanding the wisdom of actually what makes a good practitioner is actually made up of so many different things, and how are we really cultivating that spirit? So so that was another thing. Um, there was a lot of sort of just talk around, um, you know, just the general stuff of like needing more resources, um, wanting to do more networking and collaboration and connection with each other moving forward. So off the top of my head, those were some of the key takeaways. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, and I know that some people from Canada signed up for this session today. So I know we have people from North America in general. And um, it's a great feeling to know that, that these conversations are continuing and that, you know, through this funding circle and opportunity, um, there's also um, probably some some very generative aspects of it around the storytelling that will surely come from it and um, the examples of people's work. Um, so it, life definitely feels like it's coming from this is what I'm getting at. So I, I'd like to turn, if I may, to open up the mic to Sujata and Troy and um, ask the question that I think is really relating to what you were just sharing, Sonia, around um, just the individual experiences that um, that you might be ha- had, excuse me, might have had, and one or two primary needs you saw as being unmet, that life comes from it, now has in its mission and values and goals. So basically, um, for you, Sujata or Troy, whoever would like to take this first, um, what was one or two primary needs that, that you really felt strongly about that were, were not being met fully or, or even partially? Who would like to take this first? Is Sujata there? Okay. Um, I guess I'll jump I am, but go for it. Oh, okay. I can wait. I can wait to Sujata. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go, go first, okay. Troy, please. Um, so I, I think for me what I saw was that a lot of people that were doing the work were not really getting funded, maybe for a lack of ability to write grants or to find that special grant writer that could maybe frame things in a way that um, would appeal to philanthropists, um, and yet they were actually on the ground doing the work and having very good results. So I, I think that's a big thing for me is that, you know, I may not have a professional grant writer on my team, but um, I, I, the people are out there actually doing the work, they're boots on the ground, they're doing the things that need to be done in the community, and they, they've been there doing good work and have a, a very good track record of the work that they've been doing but have not been um, recognized or funded. Um, I think that that is like one of the main things that was important to me um, as well as, um, you know, people who like are, you know, and and I identify with that because like I'm in that, I have been in that position. I'm, um, you know, someone who has, you know, come home to transform his life around and have a lot of experience and yet I may not 
um, I may not have this um, theoretical model of experience as approved by university or school, and yet um, I have a wealth of lived experience that could be applied and that has been applied throughout the, uh, the past decade, right? Um, I, I wanted to see those those people um, have an opportunity to, to, to get funded, to have an opportunity to get the support that they need and that the community um, deserves um, to receive from them. So I, I'll, I'll say that those two things were very important to me. Mm. Thanks, Troy. And uh, Sujata? Yeah, I think what Troy said really is the most important part, right, that um, that it really is about making funding available to people who are doing it. Um, and those that's not necessarily the people who know how to, you know, write the most polished grant. Um, and like mm-hmm. Troy said, it certainly wasn't me in the beginning of my work with this. Definitely had my own struggles with just getting even that like five thousand dollar grant that could have kept the doors open. Um, and there were just so many times when I think, you know, you're off. It's not just like, do you have the skills or the capacity or even know what grant writing is, um, you know, or, or have anybody to help you with that stuff. Um, but also, you know, um, that the that we were on the periphery always of like the criminal justice spaces or the um, schools, um, discipline spaces, or that what does it mean for us to create a space where um, the folks who are involved in um, crafting this entire experiment, right, are people who have done the work ourselves, um, that these, that, that people can go deeper in a shorter amount of time, in a, in a shorter application, uh, that doesn't eat up their entire life, that the whole funding process doesn't become your job, right? Um, and that you get to go do your work because you're talking to people when you're applying for these grants mm-hmm. uh, who know the field um, and are embedded in the field and are working in the field um, and are thinking deeply about it. So I think that was something that we all felt was missing um, in the field. And then I mm-hmm. think that there's some, uh, like a sort of a deeper place of what does it mean for us to imagine um, a, a, calling it, you know, like a funding circle, a grant-making circle, and for us to walk restoratively uh, and with with those values uh, collectively in our in our process of uh, selecting who's going to be in it and really honoring uh, the fact that there are limited resources right now but imagining a world in which uh, everybody who's seeking funding can receive it and uh, really trying to diminish this notion of crabs in a pot, competitiveness, uh, really coming to a sort of all boats rise um, place. And I think also really wanting to just name um, what Sonia was referring to and so much of like the learnings from that amazing report um, are embedded, I think, in this, right? It's stuff that we all knew individually um, in our work, but really wanting to center, lifting up folks of color who are doing this work uh, and, and other people who are doing mm-hmm. Uh, work that hasn't been centered uh, in this, uh, in, in restorative justice, right? Who, who gets the funding, who doesn't get the funding, um, has a lot to do with power and privilege and um, wanting to be a part of um, equalizing that um, and, and seeing folks mm. and the work that they're doing, uh, valuing it. Mm. And Sujata, you were uh, a part of the listening process too as well, right? Uh, we're I was all a participant. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm not sure if all of us were. Uh, I feel like Tori was there, uh-huh. um, but I I don't know uh, if all the advisory circle members were. Um, I was not I was not a part of facilitating it. I had the blessing of being able to be one of the people who got to be listened to, <laughs> listen and listen uh, to others as well. So that was really a wonderful process. Is there anything from that process that you'd like to to share that was most striking or enriching to you? Um, you know, I think that I would actually leave that to Sonia and, uh, to, to speak to you more since she was the one who you know, co-authored that report. Um, and I and I do sure. want us to be careful to not conflate the things. And I think that that's been one of the things that we've all struggled with a little bit in our multiple roles in the world uh, of restorative justice, transformative justice, indigenous peacemaking. Um, that you know the the report i think in that entire listening process from my side listening to the stories reading it both reading it and hearing sonia talk about the process of going through it there are so many learnings about what is needed um if if this is going to be a movement if we are going to be uh centering the wisdom of people with uh, lived experience if we're going to be uh, that that there are a ton of learnings that of course influence uh what we think might be needed but i i wouldn't say that like that report is a template for how to get funding from life comes from it i think that we mm-hmm. need to think of life comes from it as a separate thing that is being offered mm-hmm. by uh this mm-hmm. by this group of uh this particular advisory board that is not coextensive with the report if that makes Great. sense yes thank you for that clarity i appreciate that and i'm sure those listening do as well um there's a lot of richness and value as a separate and its entity. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, uh, right. And I think that, that yeah, right. And 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 in all the roles that we play, right? I mean, that you know, any one of our organizations or entities is not a decision-making body involved in this, but rather right. we are coming together as individuals right. who are right. If that makes right. sense. Thank you. So I would like mm-hmm. to remind everyone um, just momentarily of the, the actual stated mission, um, or at least the piece that I think is really striking from the site, and that, that is that um, life, life Comes From It is a first-of-its-kind grant-making circle supporting grassroots movement-building work rooted in lived experience and relationships for restorative justice, transformative justice, and indigenous peacemaking. So that said, um, can you share a little bit, Sujata, and then um, Troy and Sonia, if they would like to as well, um, around those three areas that are described, um, what was important to you about making sure that those, instead of just saying it's about restorative justice, um, what was behind making sure that, that these three descriptions of very distinct practices are um, included. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, I think I think they are not as distinct necessarily as people might consider them to be, right? And I think it's it's really important um, to honor the different ways in which people might. Um, might label or choose to not label their own work, right? So, for example, there might be uh, somebody, there might be a restorative justice fund that um, in some, it could could be narrowly tailored in a way that if somebody wrote and said, we don't 
adopt um, the, the, um, the language of other communities or, or, you know, I've heard people say it more strongly, like uh, colonizer language for our indigenous peacemaking practices, right? And so we, we want to have a broad net in a sense. Or there are ways in which restorative justice has been perceived or has played itself out in ways that don't attend to um, movement building or structural oppression or uh, root causes of harm. Um, I'm not saying that that's what restorative justice should be or has to be, uh, but there are other people who would say that, you know, uh, there are restorative justice practices that we place within a transformative justice uh, framework, uh, philosophy, approach, um, and we surely want uh, to have folks who are doing that kind of uh, creative, expansive imagining around their work to be um, considered within this space. Uh, and I, I think of all of these folks as cousins um, and, 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 and often overlapping in some ways, sometimes more siblings, mm -hmm. sometimes the same thing. Um, and uh, we specifically chose not to define any of these things because we're very much mm -hmm. looking forward to learning from the applications about how people define their own work. And I think that's the first uh, step in the process um, is to, mm -hmm. to keep our minds really open uh, and to, to be really humbled in the process of learning uh, about what all is happening. Mm -hmm. um, so that's um, that's a little bit about why all three, in a sense. I think that there are a lot of times when I don't know which way I would be characterizing my own work, um, and I want mm -hmm. people to have the freedom to do that. So that's, that's one piece of it. I don't know if others have uh, more wisdom to share on that particular piece. I think if I was, uh, and I, I agree. Hello? Can Go you ahead, hear me? Troy. Yeah. No, I just said yes. if I was to put my words on that, and I agree with everything that Sujatha just said, um, I, uh, the idea, um, if I just was to put it in my own words, would be that um, we wanted to actually fund the work and not people's concept of what the work was, right? And so, like, she, like you know, we're calling it restorative justice, yet these practices have been in existence prior to this terminology of restorative justice, right? People were doing work and working in the community before um, this sort of this term of restorative came into popular um, view or, you know, popular idea, right? Um, so we felt it was good to try to um, name different areas so that um, that that people didn't feel that they had to, like, sort of be pigeonholed in one area that we could sort of point out to more of a broad um, um, view of how we view the work and not how um, the work has been um, sort of identified or, or 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 sort of the typical grant making process of the work has sort of been like put forth. Mhm. Mm. Mm. Thank you. That's uh, well put. And I appreciate, I, I really feel a sense in even just visiting the website and in the spirit of this project and work, um, what you're describing and, you know, what Sujata was describing. So, um, and to call, you know, call it for the fact that we have been doing this work. Um, and I know that here in Colorado, uh, you know, for example, the New Zealand practices have very much influenced um, a lot of practices and, and discussions and um, improvements and growth points um, for for programs here. 
so you know so much has come before and is ahead of us in this field um, so I just wanted to open it up to you Sonia back to you for a moment um, did you have anything to add to, to that piece yeah, I have a bunch of things to add to that piece that I've been trying to add, um, but I think I keep getting cut off. So, um, and because I, I think it's really important to sort of go back a little bit to this notion of not making conflating the report. A report is just a bunch of words on a piece of paper that really is more about capturing kind of the moment of what's happening with a, with a group of people in time. So. There, there's this beautiful movement that um, we're all a part of that is trying to do something different, that's trying to create a world where we rely on each other to deal with conflict and harm and violence and trauma. Um, and we're trying to do that in the, in the guise under one of these names, transformative justice, restorative justice, indigenous peacemaking. And the names get... It's almost like we get caught in like, am I doing this or am I doing that? Versus what's the spirit of what, um, what is the spirit of what we're trying to create in the world? And that's been what a movement is based off of. And it's based on the people that are actually doing that work that probably don't get seen or recognized, don't know how to get a fiscal sponsor, are just like sitting in their living room and like, okay, I have to do this because it's my community and I care about my community. And so this, so much of the spirit of this grant-making circle, the life comes from it, is so much more about building our movement um, and seeing, and I love what Sujaka said, not being on the periphery of criminal justice reform or school or something, just being like, this is really, we really are trying to create the alternative world, right? And it might take a long time. Um, we're going to put it at the center. Um, and we're going to put the people that are actually doing the work at the center, including ourselves, because we're actually doing the work. We're going to try as hard as we can to walk our talk. We know how hard that is to do, um, just in the world in general. Um, and um, and then we're going to put it out there because we know that people need resources. So I think that that's a really, like, such a central part of, um, of and as to why not spend a lot of time. It's almost like I feel like when we try to define very particularly what RJ, TJ, or indigenous peacemaking is, we get lost in the weeds. And we, lo we lose it, we lose ourselves in the weeds and we forget the spirit of what the work is itself that we're trying to do. So if we have a general sense out there in the world of what it is, um, I think resisting the defining is actually kind of a, a good way to go, maybe as we even move forward. Um, I did want to say that I talked to one indigenous peacemaker um, who recently, who does a lot of peacemaking work, and he said, you know, there's a wave of peacemaking happening in Indian country right now, and we feel completely siloed from restorative justice. And, um, you know, we don't, we, we're not a part of your work and your community, and we were both, like, on the phone lamenting, how is that even possible when the work is so similar? And um, And I think that's the spirit of this, right? Let's find each other. Let's connect to each other. Um, and let's build from there. And, and I do want to say that Justice Yazi was a co-facilitator in the, in the listening session, right? So Jata and Troy participated. Um, Johanna was supposed to come to one of the, the big convenings. So it's something that it's like, it's so much more of like, here we are and let's do something. And these different little points in time sort of capture what, like, what, what is possibly coming next. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sonia. And um, 
I just want to apologize if you felt like you were getting cut off. Uh, I have your mics muted just so that there's not any reverb, but if you'd prefer, we can open them up um, just for general questions, all three of your mics, that is. So, Sonia, while you're with the mic, um, would you be willing to share a little bit about um, the longer-term goals and hopes of LCFI as well as um, maybe start the conversation around um, particular areas of interest for applicants um, who might be with us today that are considering submitting an application. And that deadline is October 15th, correct? Yeah, that deadline is the 15th. I think it would be fine to uh, – thank you for saying that about the mics. I think it would be fine to keep them on um, because part of – what happens is I think even as in like the spirit of what we're doing is it's a dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, and they're right. like, if Sujata is jumping in or Tori is jumping in, they probably have like some really additional beautiful piece of wisdom that needs to be said. So I, thanks for that. And yes, absolutely for questions. I think it'd be great to keep the mics open. Um, yeah. So just real quick, the, yeah, the deadline to apply. So is just to let you know, they are all open. I just want to, okay, sorry to cut in, but. Everybody's mic um, is now open. Panelists' mic, mics are, are ready to go. So um, if okay. there's any reverb, I will just jump in and fix it. Great. Thank you so much, Molly. Um, I know it's probably a lot to manage on your side. Um, so maybe starting with the more interesting piece around the, the kind of long-term mission or vision or goals or something. I, You know, we haven't really talked a lot about that at the advisory circle, but I think the spirit of our last conversation was we want to see this go on and be a long-term tenure, you know, continue to build sort of both the resources as well as our own community. And um, I think it's really that. It's building the resources and simultaneously building, like, the movement and the community that's doing this movement to see each other, to felt resourced by each other, to felt to feel in connection with each other. Um, I'm hoping that we are able to move towards having just one gathering a year just so people can see each other in that kind of way um, and that we build we build out. Um, but for the short-term brass tax, the deadline's the 15th of October. Um, there's all the criteria online in terms of applying and the application is really, really simple, made on purpose to not overwhelm people. Great. Wonderful. Anything to add, Sujata or Troy, on that? No, I'm good. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't either. I mean, I really feel like we are specifically trying to minimize the amount in which we are um, going much beyond what's said on the website, in part because, again, this is a collective learning process and um, not positing ourselves as experts, really understanding <clears throat> that um, there's no such thing as experts in restorative justice per se, and that um, and that we're really mm -hmm. looking forward to the wisdom of what people bring to us. So I just, um, if there's nothing else that you want to add about the application process itself, um, it would be wonderful to go into a little bit of the overall climate in the United States today, um, the question that, that was really um, sitting, I was sitting with before our time together today, um, 
and how RJ and transformative and indigenous peace practices can help turn around our very young country's tendency to pretend major emergencies are not occurring daily in our communities. Um, urgent and dangerous issues that for a long time were pretended away. So um, I'm just wondering if anybody would like to respond to um, how these practices can I know many of us are already responding one one community at a time, but what are you seeing out there? I could jump in. I mean, I just think that when I think about the different places um, that I have from from which I have learned um, restorative justice and and peacemaking processes, um, there's always a word sort of when we go back far enough in all of our cultures, um, we can find sort of the roots of um, collective healing, um, and uh, you, you know, before we needed words like trauma informed, and you know that we we knew how to come together to heal things when things had gone wrong, or to create uh, protective structures so that things don't go wrong in the first place um, through collective wisdom. And when I think about um, those words um, that come from each of our um, each of our cultures, each of our past somewhere, and when we look far back enough for things that mean effectively Ubuntu, right? I am because we are, a person is a person through other people. Um, we, um, you know, that that I think is the greatest gift that these, um, that these three uh, areas, restorative justice, transform justice, indigenous peacemaking, hold uh, to those types of values, right? And um, that there's no out or away we can send people to, uh, that it's, that it's about all of us, uh, and, um, you know, I, I can't, as, as things become more polarized, uh, in this country, um, and the world over, really, with, I think, you know, there's, it's, it's more than just here in the United States, um, mm -hmm. I can't think of anything more necessary, um, you know, spiritually, personally, uh, interconnectedly, that word <laughs> just made up that this is really uh, where we need to be going um, and for us to right. to find ways uh, to to come together to um, address things that have gone off the rails um, so um, I think that that's the offering of, of all three of these uh, amazing ways of being in the world philosophies practices mm -hmm. that's so beautifully put thank you Sujata Troy? Yes. Well, um, I th well, so, you know, my mind goes right towards my experiences in life, right? Um, and so I'm looking at the amount of, um, you know, when you talk about injustices or things that are happening throughout the country, right? Like we we are we are not still tackling the the, the tough issue of dealing with, with racism in this country, we have not really fully begun to address the issues of disenfranchisement um, in this in this country. Um, there are a lot of things that people are faced with um, every day from the way um, uh, communities are policed to the way um, 
school systems um, are working with our young people in school. Um, a lot of us are trying to and have, um, you know, incorporated restorative practices within school systems, within police departments, within, um, you name it, across the country, within reentry organizations throughout the country. I think there are a lot of things that are happening um, throughout the country that can actually um, benefit from a different approach, a benefit from um, having a, a different view or a different um, look at of, of how to deal with or how to address them. Um, and at the same time, there are a lot of people that have been actually doing a lot of great work across this country. Um, so how do we support them? How do we let people know that um, what we're trying to do is to um, give people an opportunity um, to continue doing the work or to um, create an approach that maybe um, many of us have not really like like looked at, right? How do we utilize this um, this lived experience throughout the country? I don't. That, this is just where my mind goes to, and, I, and sometimes I have more questions than I have answers. And I think, as um, Sonia said earlier, um, and to Doctor, I believe, um, you know, we're trying to look at the wisdom of the people that are doing the work, like the people, the wisdom of the people mm -hmm. that are out there. We're not stepping in like we have the answers. You know, I, I have my thoughts, um, but you also have people who are out there that are doing the work, like they have the answers, like they, you know, when I watch. Um, you know, uh, a, a young man in Oakland who can walk into any community and step up and have, you know, uh, 50 young people come running to him in any community that he walks up in and these people are admiring him and they are talking about how he's changed their life and turned their life around. Like, and yet this young man, this same person is um, not aware or has been unable to find a funding source for him and his innovation of how he has chosen um, to work within his own community. Um, that's where my mind goes to. Thank you, Troy. And I have one additional just question for you around um, what what do you what's your sense of this aspect of pretending that things aren't as they are in in our culture? What why do you think that's such a phenomenon in, you know, our history? Well, it's, it's, it's traumatic. I mean, it's, you know, you, you, can't, you can't be the, the victim of oppression nor the oppressor and not have um, something deeply, like, troubling going on inside of you. You can't do what you do to people. I could not have done what I did to other human beings um, in the lifestyle that I led prior to my transformation without having had some my own trauma and something troubling that was going on inside of me. And that healing process um, was and continues to be a journey, right? It is not mm -hmm. easy to sit down and look at your stuff. It's mm. not easy to yeah. sit down and look in the mirror. It's you know, and I tell people even at the the school where I work at now, I tell people at the college, um, the young people here, it's it's 
it's easy for me to look down and and break your whole behavior and psychology down. But then let me go through something. I'm going to need a circle too. I'm going to need somebody to help me process what I'm going through too, right? So it, it's, it's, it's easy to look across the, the, in somebody else's yard and see that they need their grass cut, right? But it's a lot harder when something is right in your face. It's a lot harder to see. You know, if, if you took mm-hmm. your hand and you held it six inches from your face, it's going to be very difficult for you to see um, the, the details of your own hand, right? Um, sometimes um, uh, it, 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 it takes other people to help you understand those details or see those details. And I think it's difficult for us as Americans, one, to acknowledge that we have our own um, trouble and trauma and things that we're dealing with. You know, it's easy for me to sit up and play and pretend like I have all the answers. Um, it's a lot easier um, in that regard. Um, and it's a lot harder um, to face, like to really sit down and look and see, like, 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 why do I do that? Like, why do I think like that? Like, like, is is this a value that I really need to hold on to? Um, is it something that's actually benefiting me? Um, and am I actually going against what everybody in my world or my life has told me that I need to be or I should be? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not. It's just. It's just not easy. Um, and I acknowledge that. And yet, um, I don't think we in this country are actually going to heal until we start to do that. Until we start to, you know, have those difficult, you know, conversations and and not like it's not about the the you know the arguments you have, but it's about your ability to stay in the room um and and be with each other and 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 to love each other in spite of differences or appear the appearance of differences mm. Sorry, that was really beautiful and i I think that um I would just add that I think it's both really difficult for us to do it on the individual level and it's something that the types of practices that we're talking about here restorative justice transformer justice indigenous peacemaking make space and encourage us to do. But I also think that it's, I mean, when you think about it more broadly, this moment in our political realities, right, is that we don't do it, um, we don't do it about the major emergencies that are arising at this moment in our communities, in our country, um, because, you know, Sonia talks about this a lot, that we would have to look at the cause of the cause of the cause of the cause. And if we did that Mm. in this country, then we would have to go back to the enslavement of African-American peoples, we would have to look at the, mm-hmm. the taking of indigenous people's lands and the amount mm-hmm. of trauma that this nation is steeped in um, is just deeply, um, it would be a lot for us to unpack. And I think um, that, you know, truth and reconciliation, other restorative practices can help us move in that direction. We are surely not there yet <laughs> in the United mm-hmm. States. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, just to bring it back to the fund, I think it's really important um, to say that this is a part of why we grounded um, the fund in the types of principles that we are talking about, commitment to anti-oppression practices. Um, you know, um, it, while there's all the wonderful, holistic, intersectional, independent, liberatory, those kinds of positive words, um, and that really is uh, Justice Yazi's um, influence on all of us and, and, and a lot of people's spirits within the advisory committee uh, to bring that kind of um, uh, that type of um, positivity to our thinking and our work. 
Um, I also think it's incredibly important um, to, uh, to to name that we are talking about um, also wanting to honor communities and practices that are um, working from a place of anti-oppression practices and, and, and understanding uh, the historical context within which um, mass criminalization, uh, incarceration, um, the taking of Native people's lands, the continued um, uh, loss of Indigenous people's autonomy uh, to make their own justice decisions. Um, about their own people, right? Um, that these are things that are woven into the fabric of what it is that we're seeking to achieve with this grant, um, grant making process. Um, that we're really lifting those kinds of things up, really gu guided by the wisdom of people, families, communities of color, people with direct and lived experience with the issues that we're talking about. Um, I think that that is, um, in some ways an antidote to the problem of the blindness. Um, you know, there's some ways in which, um, the question really comes from a place of, you know, there's some people who we could, you know, I have a ton of relative privilege and I often find myself uh, with the carpet pulled out from under me about the ways in which I miss my own privilege. And I'm really grateful for the people who show me that. Um, and um, turning a blind eye is something that some folks just don't ever get to do. Like it's their lives. And so, and there are ways mm -hmm. in which that happens in my life. And I just feel like um, it's, you know, when people are coming from their own lived experience, there's more of a likelihood that we're going to get that, 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 those real solutions based on the real things that are actually really happening in people's actual real lives and communities. Um, and I just, you know, um, want to encourage people. There's so many ways in which, um, pussyfooting around that kind of stuff is, um, is, is seen as professional. And we really want to encourage folks who are applying to, to drop that and to tell us what's really going on and what's your wisdom from your work and your life and your organizations and your communities that you can bring um, that isn't about any of that, that isn't about you know, brushing anything under the carpet, like um, that we can hang with your truths. Right. And, mm. and, say it, and say it in the way that you say it. Like talk – like like we, we get in the habit of also like – do a, a lot of like what they call code switching, right? And the way I am attempting to, even myself here now, the way I, I am attempting to articulate and, and respond to your questions, I am attempting to, um, in my mindset, um, address them in a way that would be appeal to the audience so that the audience can receive what I'm saying. But if I'm on the block and I'm talking with some young kids, I don't, my conversation is very different. Right, and that that conversation, that dialogue is very different, and we we just want to say we understand that. We we understand That's that true. we un mm. we understand yeah. that the the language that you may use there may be the language that you're accustomed to, and you may not necessarily, um, uh, you know, have this you know back to this the grant writing writing sort of language to articulate yourself in a fashion that is going to appeal um, to the masses, and yet you're very effective in what you do in your region. Like, we want to hear from you. Wow, you, you guys are making amazing points. Thank you. Um, Sonia, anything to add? Um, thanks, Molly. I, the only thing I would add is that and I, it was back to Troy sort of in your question about pretending and, you know, the pretending about the emergencies. And it's so, it's always interesting, right? Like if you ask any community of color, they would be like, well, we can never pretend that it isn't an emergency. It always is, right? Like there's a way that, that it really depends on 
who's pretending and for what reason. Um, and, relate, you know, I would relate sort of some of what, while Troy was speaking from the perspective of, like, you know, someone who's grappled with accountability, I think if we also ask that question in the racial justice framework with restorative justice, there's a lot of grappling that people with privilege have to do around their own accountability and to whom, right? And so this piece about, you know, it takes a lot of work to deal with your stuff, whether it's privilege stuff, whether it's like I've done harm to somebody's stuff. It just takes a lot of work. And that work is is really, really important, I think, for folks that are professionalized in the restorative justice field to do. Um, within themselves, mm-hmm. and at the same time, for us to really say kind of back to what Troy just said of like, you don't need to be somebody that knows, has a, you know, has a pristine way of writing grants, right? You don't need to be like sort of um, steeped in this like really codified language of grant writing, because that in a way is mm-hmm. privilege in itself, too, in terms of who has access to speaking a certain mm-hmm. way and communicating what they're doing a certain way versus, like, you're actually just working with people, you know, doing the work of trying to create a world that is transformed, that is really driven by relationships, um, that cares about each other, and that's dealing with harm. And um, and so there are all these ways, even, like, within ourselves that we need to almost, like, take a little, like, take a little excavation tool, right, and excavate the ways in ourselves <laughs> that we perpetuate these things, right, and how right. we sort of say, what what does it mean to be doing this work, and, and what's at the center of it? So, and I, I do think that that's what this sort of life comes from it process, funds, resources, you know, movement-driven kind of pieces trying to do. Mm. And in the spirit of all of this, I would like to pause and just say, Welcome to all of you that are with us and to open it up to you um, at this time. If there's anyone who is interested in raising your hand to ask a live question, you can do that by pressing star 2 on your keypad. Um, We also are accepting webcast questions as well. So um, if you have a question to ask live, star 2 will um, note to us that you have your hand up. And then we also can receive web questions. And I'm sure there will be an openness, um, too, to, to those of you that are interested in um, inquiring further. Um, do one of you want to share a little bit about um, how to get in, in touch if people have questions about the fund, um, about the application process? And, and also, I believe there is a call coming up, too, an informational call. Yeah, I can quickly say the informational call is tomorrow at 5 p.m. Pacific time, um, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And the way to to get information on a call is right on the page, on the apply page. You just have to sign up for it, um, and we'll send you the link to a Zoom call. And um, there was something else that you asked, Molly. Oh, oh, about how to get in touch. There's a, a on the contact page, just contact at lifecomesfromit.org. And if you email Great. there, we will email people back. That's it. Wonderful. Okay. Well, um, open it up to questions. Uh, Barbara, thank you. Go ahead. Hey. 
This is LaTanya Tate from Birmingham, Alabama. Hello, Troy and Sonia and everyone. Hello. Hello. Hi, welcome. Hi, LaTanya. Hey. Hey. Um, I am a 2018 Soros Fellow, and I've just been meeting, like, with people in the community that's been uh, expressing restorative justice practices, you know, living in the South. We realize that a lot of healing has to take place here, and a lot of people are here doing the work and interested in, like, further training. Um, and maybe this is something I could talk to Troy and Sajata off the record um, about later. But we are very interested in, you know, coming into this circle, trying to get this implemented in the state of Alabama. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we we need it. <laughs> We need it everywhere, and I just want to say um, there's a particular uh, power to doing um, deeper sort of work in the south of this nation, um, and particularly led by African-American folks in the south of this nation feels uh, critical. Um, it's sort of um, outside, you know, the, you know, the, the, around this grant, right, what I would say is if people may be doing things that are already restorative justice. Right, but actually within the context of thinking about this grant, people may already be doing things that are restored justice. You're not just calling it that. You want to pick up some extra skills and tips and, um, or you want to find a way to ground it more in, you know, the way in which restorative justice, um, it, it, you're seeing it manifest in other communities. I, I wouldn't, um, you know, when I'm getting calls and questions from folks sort of privately and I'm sort of saying, send it to the, Life Concert website, um, contact info, and generally speaking, what we've been telling people wherever inf questions are coming into us individually um, is to say, hey, it, you know, you may not have defined this as restorative justice, but it might be, right? I mean, you should have a general sense of what restorative justice is, but I would, I would just right. consider, like, if you have an idea and you have a need that has to get met around, hey, maybe there's some, like, real spot training or funding for your community that's already doing these circles informally that you would like to learn how to da-da-da that you could consider, you know, putting together a grant application for funding to receive training because training is darn expensive. And there's tons of folks who will give you, like, fancy certificates if you pay them $20,000. Um, but there might be other right. ways to do a crowdsource, restorative justice trainings within communities and things of that nature. I mean, there are so many ways to think about, but but you still need, because you can't do a lot of this stuff without food, right? You still need to be a fund for, like, <laughs> needing food for, like, I want to do these 15 circles in my community to talk about the truth and reconciliation process and some part of Alabama making things up, right? Like, these are, like, things that people could imagine, but we need basic supplies, right? Like, when I think about how I was allowed to keep this work going when I was at Restorative Justice for Oakland Youth, and we literally got a $6,000 grant that got my family health insurance when I had been uninsured for like the past 10 years, right? And that's literally what let me stay in the work. So it's not like it's not, it's not meant to be like you have to have this fancy proposal. Sometimes it's like this is the work we're trying to do and we are under resourced to do it or we need this extra thing or we need money to have a retreat where we all, you know, deepen our restorative practices statewide or whatever. Like it could be, it could be anything that your wisdom tells us that you need. Um, okay. and, you know, just just consider that. Yes, ma'am. Thank but, you. Yeah, but it, yes, and in addition, offline at some point, we can totally have a conversation about who is offering trainings and how are they made affordable, and who often offers trainings for free and things of that nature. And so we could totally talk about that as well. But 
for the purposes okay. of this grant, like conversation within this grant, like what does that take to get that done? Um, where sort of big organizations that are well-funded often have like a training line in there somewhere, a retreat line in there. We don't have those in most of our organizations, right? So so to, to think about how to get those needs met. Okay. And thanks for other folks have things to add. Mm -hmm. You bet. I've still got you live, Latanya. Did anyone else want to add anything to what Sujata just shared? Panelists. Okay, so Latanya, I wanted to just congratulate you on your fellowship, um, 2018 Thank you. fellowship. Yeah, and actually, briefly, would you describe what what your project is, um, specific other than what you already shared? If you would like to. <laughs> well, my project is. Um I am a retired probation and parole officer, formerly with the State of Florida Department of Corrections for nearly a decade. And I'm also the mother of a formerly incarcerated son who is now free and on supervised parole, but he's still not free because he has some uh, community supervision. But my project uh, is based around my career, which is probation and parole practices in Alabama, and I'm going back into Florida to make sure that Things that they were doing, are they are still implementing implementing those things and where are they going forward and where are we moving to now. So that's my project, mm -hmm. uh, probation and parole practices, really honing in on technical violations, letting jail be a last resort. You know, what type of alternative mm -hmm. measures are out there besides sending someone to jail? What can we do to keep the person, you know, in the community? And then, you know, even with the restorative practices, see, all this comes into play. And also in my project, I'm rolling out a reentry piece. And with the reentry piece, mm. one of the mm. uh, initiatives that I wanted to roll out in my reentry piece is restorative practices. Mm -hmm. right. So that's my that's, project. <laughs> absolutely. And, and Latonya and I know each other. We're, like she said, we, if people haven't already made the connection, we're both 2018 Soul Justice Fellows. So we, we and her mm -hmm. will be talking offline about a lot of things that she's trying to do in the community as well as um you know her me helping her with her project and helping me with mine mm -hmm. as well so um, yeah i appreciate you Tanya, latonya for your call absolutely yeah, thank Tora. you latonya thanks thank you for thank being you, on with Mother. us today i appreciate you all so much thank all of you all So as we come to, to a close here today, um, I just wanted to, again, thank um, each of you, Troy Williams, of course, Sujata Baliga, and Sonia Shah, um, for your work, for your candid and um, transparent sharings of each of, of your experiences, and, of course, um, the reason why we're here today um, to speak to uh, Life Comes From It. And again, for those of you that are listening either live or um, after the fact, because this will be a webcast that is ongoing um, for people to listen to at their leisure, please make sure to visit lifecomesfromit.org. And uh, I'd just like to close up today um, with the invitation to, to our panelists if, if you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share.
I, I would just briefly say, uh, this is Sujata, that um, we really want to encourage folks uh, to not be intimidated by the whole notion of grant writing. Um, and that if you have an idea that is about the liberation of your people, right, that is about, and however it is that you define that, right, and that it is, and is grounded in, in, in restorative, transformative uh, justice, indigenous peacemaking, uh, it's a pretty short application. Um, and we wish that we could fund all of you. I, I myself have been rejected countless times. I can't, I mean, it's, it's a pretty sorry ratio of accept to reject of the number of grants that I've applied for in my lifetime. <laughs> and at a certain point, um, I started to feel that I am, that it's not about me, right? It's just that wasn't a good fit. Um, mm -hmm. and I don't, I, I think that I just want to say, like, uh, we wish, we wish that our, um, we wish that our coffers were as large as our hearts and as large as your wisdom. Um, and that, Hopefully that the process is a set of questions that will help you imagine uh, where it is that you should be going in life, right? Uh, two of the grants that I've applied for and rejected helped me change my entire life trajectory towards what it is that I'm doing now. Um, they were rejected, but they were a process that helped me refine what it is that, what is my purpose? Um, and so just really inviting you to sort of, again, dropping the professionalism and uh, thinking about what is a project related to these practices, uh, these ways of being that are about uh, the liberation of your people um, that feels really important uh, to to invite you to share with us. Uh, it'll be a blessing for us to read it, even if we're unable uh, to fund it. And just also wanting to deeply thank you for your labor in doing that, right? Like, I just don't think that we give people um, enough props for how hard this mm. is uh, to put our stuff on the page. Mm -hmm. Um, and just to know that as you're writing it, that it's being held by a group of people who uh, love your desire to liberate your people, even if we're not able to fund you. So that's what I would say. You're so eloquent, yeah. Sujata. Thank you. And um, can I just ask you one other question, Sujata? Uh, and Troy, we'll be right back to you. Um, is there a way for people to get involved um, who may not want want necessarily to apply, but who would like to support the fund? Well, I'm going to put um, all I of that to Sonia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sonia. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's a there's actually where we're right on the web page. There's a donate now button, um, and you can also just have if anyone is interested in doing a more personal connection around that, you can just email me, which is Sonia at ahimsacollective.net, and we can talk more about that. Um, and I wanted to just, like, thank Sujata for what she said and reiterate kind of some of those own personal lessons. Like, I think it's, it's interesting. I've been listening to the call and thinking, oh, the number of times that we've said, we made this application so simple on purpose comes from the lived experience of, of, of like, tearing one's own <laughs> hair out, trying to um, write an application that fits into somebody else's box when all I want to do is just really express, here's what we're trying to do. Um, and so I think that spirit of like, you know, speaking your own tongue and your own language to communicate what you're trying to do is so central to even our own lived experiences, as well as reflecting back on two particular, the number of the rejection to acceptance ratio of like 10 to 1, right, of like actually getting the resources versus like putting the 10 balls in the air and then one lands. And like that we all, 
know that and we get used to it and don't be a, and, and work through our fears, particularly as people of color, of what it means to like always be pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, always bootstraps, always doing it for free, never asking, you know, being like, I got this. And then to go ahead and ask and then be rejected can be like this other salt in the wound versus like, oh, this is a process of me putting myself out there. And that some of putting myself out there um, is about refining. And I have learned so much, too, from I'm thinking of, I was actually recently thinking, thank God I didn't get those two things that I applied for because it would have taken me in a completely different direction um, uh, because it wasn't really what I wanted to do. And um, had I gotten a certain grant, I would have gone in that direction. And I think that's the thing about not creating a box that someone has to fit into versus, like, and I used to joke with Sujath, I feel like I'm just always, like, trying to fit myself into this box, but I'm not really this box until I finally realized that was the wrong box. Um, so, you know, just to just to make this uh, a, a, a circle, you know, <laughs> something that is, like, just try to tell us who you are, you know, and we know that we have limited resources, you know. Um, where I'm still, you know, knocking on the doors trying to create a, create enough money in this fund, right, to give out to others. Um, and, and that's what we're going to try to do because we care about each other and we care about the work we're doing. Absolutely. Ditto, ditto. <laughs> what they said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess this is... <laughs> To add to add my own little flair, I would just say that you know I'm the, I'm the guy you know on here that has spent half his life in prison, that came from a very rough start right in life, and that um like I like I get it like you know there's a lot of things that I that I understand about who we are and and how transformation takes place, and that I want to see those of us who um just like put yourself out there like like I wouldn't be in the position that I am even with my organization or with the things that I'm doing had I not put myself out there and each opportunity is a learning experience, right? Um so, you know, don't nothing be the failure but a try. And I would say shoot for it. Um do what you have to do to um to fill out the application and write the grant up and the realer it comes the better it is for me um and i think we're here like sonia and sujata both said we're 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 all some people who care about the work we care about the people and we care about um um what what needs to be done so that true healing and transformation can happen uh in our community um, and on the other side of that is we have a, a limited amount of funds that we can give out, right? So, um, but try. If you don't try, you already know what the answer is. So we would love to see as many applications come in because those applications are also going to inform us um, about how do we either get more funding or um, and, and continue to and continue to um, uh, support people in this movement. Mm. Thank you so much, each of you, each of our panelists today, for your time and for, again, your sharing in so many different ways. And I just would, would like to gently remind everyone, um, if you're interested in applying, of course, you know where to go to do that. But also, if for some reason you might know of someone 
who um, may not be applying for a grant but might be interested in supporting the fund, please donate to the fund. Um, I really believe strongly in my heart uh, that this is uh, a big answer to a very large and urgent need. So, um, again, I've been your host today. It's been my honor. Um, thanks for your patience with the mics. Uh, please visit restorativejusticeontherise.org um, to find this living session on the web and pass it along to people, if you will. Um, so thank you, each of you, for your time today and for being in this circle. See you next time. Thank you, Molly. Thank you, Molly. Thank you, Molly. The conference is now completed. Goodbye. Welcome to the conference. Please enter the conference ID, followed by the pound key. Thank you. Guest ID accepted.